Welcome to Citadel Church Sermon of the Week. Citadel Church is here to connect you to God and to develop you for influence. For more information about Citadel Church, you can visit www.citadelchurch.com. Here's the latest sermon by Pastor Tracy Armstrong. We're starting a new series called Enlarge. Enlarge. Right, this very second. But before that, I want to tell you some more about the trip. And so we, we went, we were there in, in uh, Paul Brady's, and it was a very, 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 very millennial church in Tulsa, very powerful service. Uh, God showed up mightily in every service. And uh, well, I had a lady come, I was working out at Lifetime Fitness there, and a lady came, she interrupted me in my, my workout, and she goes, you, I go to millennial, and I was healed on Sunday morning. It was just kind of like that. All throughout the city, people were just coming, you know, saying, I was healed on Sunday morning. And so I, I'm excited about what God was doing. Then we went down to Orange County and uh, the pastor we preached for in Orange County, he, his daughter, what is she? She was born with uh, cerebral palsy, spina bifida and other internal problems. And so she was on a, she was on a, um, a kidney transplant list. And she'd been on that list, I think, for since she was a child. And so we prayed for her last month. We've been going into that church every month, just kind of helping them. And uh, so we prayed for her last month and she went to the doctor and they pulled her off of the kidney uh, transplant list. They said, you're going to get to keep your kidneys. You don't have to get up, give up your kidneys. Come on, somebody. Isn't that wonderful that someone who was going to have to give up their kidneys, they don't have to give up their kidneys. It was wonderful. And then we, then on Friday, we, well, Thursday, I think we connected with the, the Wakefields down in Orange County. And then we drove up and we, we did a Hollywood Bible study on Friday. And it was very powerful and people were being touched. And, and then Fred Hammond, how many of you know who Fred Hammond is? He wanted to hang around and he stood around, he, st- he stayed around and wanted to sing. And so he closed us out with, with some, some things. So God's doing some great things in the earth. And on Tuesday, men, we're going to pray. Because we're going to see those great things happen right here in this city, in this territory. How many of you believe God wants to do that? Amen. I believe it too. And I believe it's going to be connected with our men coming together and praying. And thank God for everyone that prays in this church. We have to be a praying church if you want to see the things of God. Amen. God's going to do incredible, incredible things. And so we're excited about that. Uh, in a two weeks, just one more announcement. In two weeks, I have one of my really, really good friends coming. And I, and, and I want to just show off Citadel to him a little bit. So when he comes, I want you to be full of energy. But he's one of my, you know, I realized as I was thinking, I, say, I was thinking some of my best friends are actually business people. I have more business people as friends than I do as ministers, which is weird. Um, but he's one of my he's one of my really close friends. I don't know if I can call him one of my best friends yet, but he's really, really we've just known each other for years. So uh but we're so close. His wife was a little nervous at how close we were getting and how fast and she was like she's like when <laughs> anyway, she's like, You guys just had this bromance going on. It's just way too close. And so uh um but he's gonna be here. His name is Colin. And he's from, he's, he's originally from the Northwest, started a business in the Northwest, is a multi, multi, multi millionaire. And he's going to bring the word of the Lord on in two weeks. And he has this anointing that empowers people to get wealth. I mean, really has this anointing. He used to go to a church in Fife, moved out, went down to California, exploded. And now he's, he's, he's connected with Citadel Church and is actually, uh, wants to be a real heavy part. He's part of C3 movement, but he says Citadel Church is also C3. They're trying to, connect us in a deeper way. But um, it's interesting because I want you to really have an anticipation that there's a greater anointing for wealth and increase that's going to come upon your life when he gets here. And I don't want you to just be like, okay, this is interesting. I want you to be the kind of people that pull. I know I'm two weeks early, but I need to, I need to set you up. You need to be praying right now because he'll stop and prophesy over you too. And I just love that kind of thing. And so we want to encourage you. Don't miss that. That's on the 24th, I think it's the 20, 23rd. 23rd of, of, of September. Don't miss that. That's going to be an amazing time. Um, God's going to do some things. So let's get right into this, this new series called Enlarge. Someone say Enlarge. How many know God wants you to be enlarged? He wants you to get larger, bigger, blown up. He wants to blow you up. Today I want to talk to you about acceptable living conditions. 
When you're going to be enlarged, it's interesting what God starts to talk about when he wants to enlarge your life. He starts to talk about homes. He starts to talk about land. He starts to talk about things that, that need a physical larger space. He doesn't just talk about enlargement in your heart because if you're enlarged in your heart, you don't know if it's actually working its way out unless you're also associating that enlargement to a space, something that is physical and tangible. And God wants to enlarge you. But you can't be enlarged saying, I'm just a bigger person on the inside if it doesn't become bigger on the outside. And you have to realize that God wants you to, wants you to do that. So you guys are all going to welcome me home with a real preaching atmosphere, right? Somebody can really give it to you. Okay, good. So let's, let's, let's think about this. As we travel, as we travel, my wife and I, we travel to different circumstances. I remember when we first started traveling, uh, people wanted us to stay with them. It's a nice compliment, but not a very interesting situation. We would go in the, first of all, every time I've stayed with someone, the toilet would always back up. It's just no matter what. It's just the toilet would just, no matter what, the toilet would just, yeah, you, yeah, my wife says a lot of toilet paper. I don't know what it was, but it doesn't matter where it was. It was in Southern California. It was on the East Coast. It was all over the world. We're just like, the toilet's backing up. And I'm like, no, you cannot come. Just, do you have a plunger? And so that was very uncomfortable. How many know when you say something's comfortable or uncomfortable is internal situation? How many of you have been in a circumstance that is uncomfortable? That is an outside talking to your inside. You can't be uncomfortable just from what's on the inside. It's an outside speaking to your inside. And so when God's trying to get you to be uncomfortable on the outside, he's trying to address something on the inside. And so when we, we started to, we go, well, listen, we just can't come and stay with you. And there'll be other times, no, we're really good. You know, toilet won't black up. That's fine. Okay. But, but there's other things because they just want to talk all day and they want me to pray for them. And it's like, I'm getting uncomfortable on the outside. So it makes me uncomfortable on the inside. You guys don't have these pet peeves. But and then, so we, you know, we stay with the Brady's because their, their living conditions are very similar to ours. And then there's some people's living conditions are not similar to yours. It was funny. We were driving through LA to get to, get to the airport. And it was interesting because we would go through one city to another city. And there was one city, some cities you go, this feels so good. Another city you go. And then within a few blocks, you're like, this feels good. Like, You know what I'm talking about? Some cities. Some cities, they don't mind actually, some communities, they don't mind trash being thrown all up and down the street. I mean, we saw bags and bags of trash everywhere, just like scattered and just no one's, no one's even thinking about picking it up. You can tell it's been there for like weeks. But then there's other places you can't find anything blowing down the street. I don't know what you feel comfortable in, but what you feel comfortable in determined, is determined by what you have on the inside. Not by what's going on really on the outside. If you feel uncomfortable with certain things on the outside, it's because you have something on the inside that says that's not a livable condition. It's not an acceptable living condition. And we need to know that God wants to make you uncomfortable sometimes on the outside. So you say, this is not an uncomfortable, this is not a comfortable living condition. And you begin to grow on the inside in order to expand your outside. Why hasn't God saved you from what you've been wanting to be saved from? Because you need to be more discomfort, have more discomfort on the inside so that you can say, this is not acceptable for me on the outside. I want to, I want to read a scripture that's just been meditating. I've been meditating on for a few weeks and we're going to have fun. You're going to have fun with me. Mark chapter five, it says this in verse one, it says, then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadareans. And when he had come out of the boat, Jesus walked out of the boat immediately. I love that word immediately in this circumstance. Immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. A man, this man came out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. But then we find out something deeply interesting about him. First, we find out what's going on on the inside of him. Then we find out what's going on on the outside of him. First, we know that he's a man with an unclean spirit and he came out of the tombs. Number two, number three is in who had his dwelling among the tombs. He could only live in the tombs because he already had that same spirit inside of him. 
You can only accept death when you have that same spirit inside of you. You can only accept mediocrity when you have that same spirit inside of you. You can only accept failure when you have that same spirit inside of you. Now listen, if you don't change the spirit in you, then you'll never change the place you dwell in. People choose a life of a a small life. It's amazing that we can justify a movement of tiny homes. How in the world can you justify a movement that makes you go smaller? When God is never going to give you a tiny home in heaven, he will never, ever give you a tiny. You can have a tiny home in hell, but you will never have a tiny home in heaven. He says, I am building a mansion for you. God does not want you to have tiny home thinking because tiny home thinking is beneath who you are. You are a child of God. You are a woman of God. You are a man of God. A tiny home is not what you're made for. You are too large on the inside to have a small house on the outside. I know it may sound interesting to you because you bought into it, but don't buy into the lie. There is not a scarcity of space. I fly over the United States. There's space everywhere. Tiny home living is demonic. Minimalist is, 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 is a, it's a scandal. Thank you. I know you have bought into it, but I want you to understand because if you start thinking that way, you can make everything small. And God doesn't want you to live small. He wants you to enlarge your mind. Enlarge. If you want to be in a confined thing, that's fine. Temple Grandin also was in a confined thing. You don't know who she is. She was a woman with autism that found that only enclosed spaces made her feel comfortable. Mental and emotional disorders make you want to be confined, but we need to break out because we're like God. God is not going to confine himself. He's not going to make himself small. See, my smiles, my smiles. I want us to know that God wants us to think big. And when you start thinking small, you get out of his condition. Scarcity and scrutiny are cousins. When when you have scarcity, you scrutinize everybody else because they don't live at the same level of... Scrutiny... (laughs) Someone say dwelling in the tombs. This man obviously was uncomfortable with tomb dwelling that he showed up immediately when there was an opportunity to be enlarged. It was an opportunity for him to be enlarged. He immediately showed up where enlargement was going to take place. And it's funny that people want to live in a place that we would want to live in a place where tombs are tolerated. You know, think about a tomb. I mean, there's, how many of you, I mean, is there a big tomb? I mean, I've, I've not seen a big tomb. I've walked into things that they call a big tomb. I'm like, it's not even like the doctor's box. You guys don't know anything about Doctor Who, so it's just. You got to know that God wants you to have something big in your heart. How can he share a dream with you if you think small? My thoughts are higher. My ways are bigger. He wants a people that can understand his thoughts and understand his ways. And if we're being inclined to what this world is saying, then we're actually taking ourselves away from how he thinks. I've, I offended you. That's okay. You'll get over it. Now look at Isaiah 54 says this. I'm not, I'm not interested in being, being shrunken down to some kind of small level thinking, because when we get to heaven, he's going to ask us what we did with all the gifts that gave, that he gave to us. And we can't say, well, I just did some small stuff with it. I buried it. I hid it. 
That's, that's, that's coming up in the next few weeks. But we have to understand that we have to be able to say, I multiplied it. And multiplication comes from a larger thinking, enlargement, enlarge it in your heart, enlarge it in your mind, enlarge it in your life. You have to say, I'm ready to expand the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is not looking to be maintained. The kingdom of God is looking to be expanded. Isaiah 54 says this verse one, seeing O barren, I'm going to have fun guys. I'm going to have fun. Seeing, O barren, you who have not born. This is interesting because if you have been in a situation where you have been confined or you've been held back or what you wanted to give birth to hasn't come and you're not pregnant yet, but you have a dream of it. He says, sing. Bring forth singing. You know why? Because bringing forth singing is expansion. You don't sing inwardly. You let it go. Let it go. Can't hold back. You know why that movie that movie went so powerful? Because kids want to dream big. They don't want to bring it in. Bring it in. Let's make it smaller even more. Small ones don't want to be small. They can't wait to get up. They can't wait to get bigger. They can't wait to get stronger. They can't wait to break out. Big is what they want. Big. Supersize me, dad. Super size wasn't for adults, it was for kids. I remember getting that little tiny friend like, can I have two? We need to know you, you, you are ready to break out. He says, but you have to break out first with what's on the inside of you. Sing out, cry out loud. You got to have this thing that comes out of you and allows a bigger you to manifest, but it has to come from the inside of you. It doesn't affect your atmosphere around you until something's happening on the inside of you. And when it's happening on the inside, then you sing out and you cry out and you declare what's going to happen and you proclaim who you're going to be and you proclaim where you're going to go and you declare what's going to happen in this season and who we're going to and what we're going to accept and what we're not going to accept because you determine what you're willing to live in by what you're willing to accept. Accept. Your determination is what determines what's acceptable. If this is okay for you, it may not be okay for everybody. One of the biggest problems, biggest challenges, you know, as we are pursuing a building, I talked to so many people, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how many people said we're okay at the Hilton. So many. And I realized we're not large enough. Not on the outside. We're not large enough on the outside because we're not large enough on the inside because we're okay with the Hilton. And and I don't want to be okay with the Hyatt. Thank God for the Hyatt. But I don't want to be okay with being intense. There's a temple that God wants to establish. I don't want to be a nomad driving around from one city to another city to another city with no place. That's not where the house of God belongs. There is a place. You have to sing out, cry out. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate. It's interesting. He says, more are the children that of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. It's, it's interesting. People, uh, th- there's more waste. People who are wasting their lives away than people who have purpose and destiny. A married woman is a person who has dominion. We get married to have dominion. We don't get married to just have kissy kiss. I know that's what some of the young people are like. I can't wait to get, I'm going put my lips all over you, baby. But the realization, that's not why you're hooking up. The hookup is for dominion. And a person who is not hooking up for dominion is a desolate person. You're going to give your life over to wasted living, wasted purpose, wasted design. And you need to cry and say, I'm not accepting a wasted life. You guys okay with me? I'm, I'm just. It's amazing how many people 
are satisfied in this city, in this territory. Everybody in the Northwest, I've never, the more we travel, the more I realize what the biggest problem with the Northwest is, is the Northwest people are easily satisfied. Easily satisfied. There's not enough urgency. There's not enough determination. There's not enough that says, you know what? Good trees, good air is not enough. I need, there's a life outside of the trees, the air, the mountain. There's something that needs to break out of me. And, you know, it's it's funny, all the people that I know that are doing business and doing work, I mean, they, they do stuff outside of here. They live here, but they're busy jumping on planes. We need to make sure that if we're here, we stop being satisfied. I'm not saying walk around and just be dissatisfied. I'm saying that that's not, that's not better if you don't have an enlargement of what God's speaking in your heart. God should be sharing secrets with you, dreaming in you, speaking to you, building hope of what he wants to see. The only reason I believe God wants, I believe God has something for the Northwest. It'd be so much easier other places, but God has something here. You can't have so much satisfaction here with God saying, you're satisfied with everything other than me. When 80% of this territory says, we don't actually need God. God's not relevant to us. The Bible's not relevant to us. And they call themselves post-Christians. They already did that, tried it, got the t-shirt and a mug to go with it. I want you to know we need to release a kind of kingdom. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Verse two, we're going to spend our next few weeks, we're going to spend it. Enlarge, someone say enlarge. Enlarge the place. See, this is interesting because when God speaks of enlargement, he always talks about enlarging a place. He didn't say just enlarge you. He said enlarge a place. If you aren't looking at a place to be enlarged, then you're not growing inside of you. That's why I, I believe God wants you to dream of having a bigger house. Well, I'm okay, it's just me and a few of us. Well, that may be true, but you don't have any friends? You don't have anybody you want to just host? Well, maybe this enlargement is not actually for you. All right, you guys are Enlarge the place. See, I I realize why does God have the children of Israel fighting over a place? Because the more they fight over that place, the larger they become on the inside. To know that no matter what circumstances tell me, I can't have that place, I shouldn't have that place, it shouldn't be my place. That place is the place that God wants me to have, so I'm going to grow big enough to have it. Enlarge. Someone say enlarge. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. So God is saying it's important that it's not, I mean, because we could say, well, this is just about the temple, but it's, it's not, it's dwellings. It's not one dwelling. It's not his dwelling. He's talking about your place. He's talking about where you live. Tombs should not be your, where you live and you should not be okay with it. You should not be okay with mediocrity. This is, this is how this whole series is going to go. Hopefully you kind of, I hope it stretches you. Hope you say, you know what? Well, I have to become bigger on the inside so that I can create a place bigger on the outside. And I don't want to put pressure on anyone else because the pressure that I want to put on them is really what. It's my inside. It's my inside that makes it happen. I want you to see this, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains, some of the curtains of your dwellings. We have to know that you are going to have to push the walls out. You're going to have to push the walls out. 
You're going to have to stretch the walls out. I don't know how much material was on this, but he's saying there's more for you. Dude, you know what? I, I, asked, my, I asked myself, I said, Lord, my, myself, you know, you speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, make a melody in your heart to the Lord. Right? That's what the Bible says. So I say inside of myself, Lord, why, why do people want it to be easy when we know it's hard? Have you ever stretched anything? I mean, okay, have you ever... I mean, anyone ever stretched anything? When you stretch, none of it's easy. And the only way you stretch is by actually going further than what is easy. Okay, that's easy. Okay, that's tension. Uh, hurting. Right? You have to know, in order for, to get to that next level, you have to go to places that you don't normally go. That's why it's stretching. Stretching is not what's easy. Stretching is not what's comfortable. Stretching is not, you don't get stretched without tension. And it's purposeful, intentional tension. And what I don't find is we want to stretch. Because ease is easy. My daughter is constantly stretching. She's on the plane stretching. I'm like, you're on a plane. You're in a confined area. She's like, what? <laughs> Leg way up there touching. I'm like, why are you doing this? She goes, because I'm going to be able to do the split standing up. And she's like, her leg comes way up here. I'm like, ah, I'm never doing that again. How many of you have ever done that? You, it's time for you to stretch. You go, ah, that hurt. I'm never doing that again. And you'll never get to where you want to go. You may want to have your leg touch the ceiling while you're standing. She did this thing the other day. We were walking in the airport and all she, she comes up and I can't do it, but she takes this leg and she plants her foot on the, on the wall and she's standing next to it like this. I'm like, let me take a picture of that. That's amazing. It's really strange in public, but it, I was impressed because you can only get there with stretching. You can't get where you want without stretching. I know you want it easy. I know you want it, but that's why no one that you know that wants it easy is there. It's not easy. It's not easy. So make up your mind that nothing is going to be easy like Sunday morning, which is not easy. I don't know what your Sunday is, but my Sunday morning is not easy. wish it was easy. It'd make this so much better if it was easy. But nothing's easy until we get there. When we get to heaven, that's when we're going to have our easy. Now everything's stretching. Everything's tugging. Everything's pulling. Why do you have to pull on something? Because tension is necessary for your future. Tension is necessary for your future. I want to be like Jesus. No, you, you, you don't really. Because I got a hammer and nails and a cross over here. I'll tell you. I'll show you exactly what it feels like to be like Jesus. You, you don't want to be like Jesus. I know you think you want to be like Jesus because you walk around and you have sucked in. Jo- That's not Jesus. That's a movie. Jesus confronted demons. Yeah, satisfaction is evil. It's probably the most criminal thing that the enemy has ever done. Because you know what? When it says, don't 
don't live in the flesh. You know what living in the flesh is? Just being normal. Living in the flesh is a normal life. It's horrible to be normal when you have God living inside of you. How in the world do you accept normal when you have the creator of all heaven and earth living inside of you and you just want a normal life? How insulting. That's why he says, what have you done with this life that I've given you? And he's looking to call someone faithful and someone not. (laughs) Your determination is a determining factor to how much you are willing to stretch. Stretching is the only way to expand your dwelling mentally, emotionally, and then physically. If you are breaking down under small pressure, then you're not ready for a larger dwelling. And if your emotions are out of whack, your mental is not right. Mentally, emotionally, then physically. And if you're emotionally out of control, then go back and work on your mentally. You don't have the right picture. When we were, um, we just moved into that building over in, in Des Moines when we first, we moved in with 17 people, then the economic crisis hit. <laughs> we hired, we hired uh, all of our staff right before the economic crisis hit. And we calculated that we needed at least $250,000 a year to maintain. We didn't, we had 17 people. And a crisis hit. Ouch. You know what God says? He says, stretch. I said, what? Shouldn't we consolidate now? Couldn't we just fold in a little bit? To make it a little bit easier. Easier on all of us. We just fold in. Just kind of relax. Turn lights off in that corridor over there. Let the kids freeze. Just let the <laughs> let the kids freeze. They just have them jump a little bit more. Just have them jump. If they jump, they'll stay warm. Little kids. God says, expand, stretch, reach, enlarge. Oh God, don't you know? We get these regular fishies. Can we get them the ones that have no label on them? And if we can break them in half, because they break in half very easily. Let's just break them. You get a tail. (laughs) Oh, sorry, broken three pieces. Okay, you get the middle section and you get the head. He says enlarge. I'm like, okay, um, what does that mean to you, God? He says, go on TV. Okay, TV is going to cost us $10,000 a month, God. We already have a $250,000 budget that we can't handle. We don't know where, we have 17 people and half of them are staff members. Listen, how many of you staff members you remember? We sat at the table and we go, we have one choice, enlarge. We got to think bigger, dream bigger. Every time an offering comes in, we pray over it. We, we break it in pieces. <laughs> you get this corner. <laughs> and we said, listen, everyone, God's asking us to do give you this opportunity. We won't be sad if we will be sad, but we won't be unhappy with you. We won't hate you if you decide to go get a job, but we can't pay you. And what we're going to do is we're all going to bring our faith to the table. And we're going to, we're going to call this faith role. And every week you are going to faith in with me, the amount that we need to pay you to pay the bills, to pay everything. And then God's asking us to go on TV which is an additional $10,000 a month, which is, if you don't know how to count, $120,000 a year. 
Hallelujah. He's just making more bills. He said, stretch. See, when, when you feel like God wants you to go into scarcity, he's saying stretch. Because he doesn't believe in scarcity. You ask God today, do you believe in scarcity? He's like, no, I made everything more than enough. Because I am the God of more than enough. And I don't make anything less than enough. You guys with me? We, we want to serve a God that believes in scarcity, but he doesn't. Ask him. He doesn't believe in it. And if there's scarcity anywhere in the world, it's because you and I are not showing up with enough. Well, you know who it is. <laughs> you put whatever name you had in your head, and that's a scarcity mindset. The realization is we need to know that I am and you are God's heirs to manifest his enlargement on the earth. So we went on TV. We went on TV. And the congregation that was 17 went to 30. And within just weeks, we started adding 50 people a month to the congregation. Within less than a year, we had 300 people. Because God doesn't believe in scarcity. He believes in vision. He doesn't believe in scrutiny he believes in vision he believes in you thinking larger than where you are now and if you allow the pressure to make you shrink back then you will shrink but if you stretch out when it feels when everyone else is shrinking in you'll occupy space that people are giving up that's what happens in the economy when there's a crash some people go oh now it's crashing i don't know what i'm gonna eat do you have beans I remember Y2K happened. You guys remember Y2K? I remember Y2K. Some of you guys weren't even born in 2K. You're like, there was a Y on it? Y2K happened. I remember all these churches, they had beans and toilet paper. Like, you don't need more than beans. toilet paper with those beans. You better get some Lysol. Lysol! Matches. <laughs> you guys don't know anything about that. We are the world. <laughs> we are the children. We're going to make this a better place. <laughs> but I remember after that, all this, and now everybody just has beans, still beans. In their bunker under the house. Because God is not wanting us to live by fear. I know I'm preaching this long, and that's why I didn't memorize it, so I can preach it longer. Philippians 3 14. Someone say, press. These are intense words the Bible uses. Stretch, enlarge, press. Don't go for ease. If you, if you read the Bible, you'll find that none of that ease, conversation, satisfaction is in the scriptures. He says you'll be satisfied with him, but he's always going to tell you to have a place that you have to fight for. It's like I was, we, Pastor Paul and I were talking about how come God told you to go into a land that he promised and there's giants to fight? Is it a promised land or a fighting land? Which one is it? I promise you don't have to fight for it. Then why do we act like we are not supposed to fight for it? You want that land? There's giants over there and they're there for purpose. You have to have something inside you that says, you know what, you're just, you know, you're in my way. I know that this is, this is interesting, but I want us to be enlarged because I can't, I, I can't see us being small and shrinking in. I can't, I can't see us being satisfied with just 
us and no more. I just don't envision a church or a movement that has no global reach. I just can't, I just can't imagine it. I, I, I have a hard time and I, and I want us to all to go, there's something large that God wants. But that enlargement doesn't come until you are enlarged. Until I am enlarged. I have to be larger on the inside. So it happens this way. I press toward the goal. Someone say goal. That, that press is I'm running. I'm running into it. I'm running after it. I'm pressing toward the goal. This word goal was so beautiful. I didn't know this word. I didn't know this word. I, I read it so many times, but then I really, I really researched it this time. That word is, is skapos, and that's, that it comes from the word skeptomia, which means to peer into it, peer into it like a skeptic. To have a watchman or a scout, to have a person on the wall looking so far ahead and going, is that it? Is that it? What is that? That's how you should be looking at your goal. Now, this is important that you have that kind of not scrutiny because scrutiny is not looking for a mark. Scrutiny is just complaining about something. Skeptic is going, that's good, but not quite good enough. Okay, you need to hear this because it's like a prophet going, I've seen the perfect. I've seen the authentic. And that's not it. He says, He says, I want you to press toward the, the mark for the prize. That word prize is the same. It, it's Barabbas. How many of you remember the guy, Barabbas? There was Jesus and there was Barabbas. And they said, give us. It's that prize. It's, it's an umpire of uncertain uncertainty and so we need to understand that God wants you to know that this is the Christ and that is that and you need to be able to know which one is which and which one to choose and which one's going to get you where you want to go and which one's going to be you need to be like an umpire going that's a strike or that's not a strike and what an umpire does is he decides what is the strike zone and what is not the strike zone So you and I need to press into the zone that is a strike zone. You can't make up your own strike zone. There is a strike zone over the plate and within this place of their body, the midsection. That's a strike zone. If it's not going through there, then it's out. You need to have this in you. That's my strike zone or it's not my strike zone. That fits in my calling or doesn't fit in my calling. That fits in my purpose or doesn't fit in my purpose. You need to scrutinize the opportunities that are coming your way and go, that helps me get there or it doesn't help me get there. That's a waste of my time or it's not a waste of my time. If you don't have a strike zone, you can't call it out. You have to press toward the mark of the prize in the high call, not a mediocre call, not an acceptable call, not what people are applauding, not what people like. Thank you for the plot. So not, <laughs> don't stop, please, more. But how many of you know you need to have a strike zone and your strike zone is not going to be the same as everyone else's. I remember I had friends that literally, they were not as tall as me and they get up there and the strike zone was like this big. And they were always walked. You need to know that sometimes God has something for you and you need to have a scrutiny that makes you live in a narrow way. (laughs) That leads you to a larger way. I, I I, I stayed up a lot last night thinking about, that's weird, God, what a weird weird dichotomy that you say live and walk a narrow way that leads you to a wide open place 
instead of a wide open place that leads you to a narrow life. What a weird thought that God wants me to be more particular in what I allow in my life. Because when I'm particular, it doesn't allow anything in my life that doesn't associate to the calling of God. The high call, the one that comes from above. I can waste my time running around trying to be with all of these people that I travel with and do just because I want to. But if it's not a part of my call, check you off, been there, done that. Don't need to waste my time doing it again. Someone say narrow. You have to now scrutinize whether or not this decision you're making is going to get you to your calling. To being in the calling of the high calling. Move the walls. Don't let them close in on you from what's possible. The, the, the walls, the enemy wants to just close the walls in. He wants to push, push until you shrink and you go, oh, I can, I can live like this. I think I can do this. I think it's okay. And you need to actually go, this is not big enough for me. I need to move the walls. If I'm not boring you, will you say amen? And I know it's not for everybody because, you know, some people are very happy with their little lives. I want people who want bigger lives. Without a goal that you see, there is nothing to press into. This is my question. I realize that I have in every aspect, every action and everything that I'm doing, it's associated to my calling. Nothing that I'm doing is without my, does Jesus want me to do this? Is this part of your calling for me or am I just busy? Because I don't, I don't want to waste my time being busy. That now is not a scrutinized life. Is this actually effective? Is this important and empowering? Is it life changing? Will you ask me about this when I get to heaven? Because there's some things you, you and I are busy with that he is never going to talk about when we get there. That's, that's the part where he says, I didn't know that. Be away from me. I didn't know that. Be away from me. I never knew you in that. Be away from me. I never knew you doing that. And people are constantly wanting us to just calm down a little bit. Why do we so intense? Why do you have to yell and sweat and get all like veiny and everything? Why don't you just chill? No, well, you may chill, but when he gets there, I want to know that everything I'm doing, he's going to talk to me about. He's going to sit down. So tell me what it was like to do that when you had everything in the principalities, all those territories trying to say no, but you're breaking out. Tell me about that. See, I don't want to get to heaven and have to interview Paul. I'm not interested in it. I want Paul to sit me down and go, tell me what it was like in the last days. When, when everybody was being like I prophesied, that everyone wants itchy, tingly ears. How did you preach? How did you manifest? What was it like? What did it feel like to be on TV and preach and have that anointing that you know is reaching millions hit you while you're preaching? Tell me what that's like. Tell me what it's like to be on the internet and know that people are able to click or click off. Tell me what that was like. Tell me what it's like to pull someone out of a wheelchair. We didn't have wheelchairs. What was that like? I don't want to sit there and ask him about what I read. I want him to ask me about what he didn't get a chance to do. And we want to live mediocre, normal lives. Not at Citadel Church. The only reason Citadel Church should exist is for the sake of the person who doesn't want to be normal. If you want to be normal, there's lots of options. Lots of church options. I can point you. But if Jesus is your plumb line, you will never be normal. If you measure your life next to Jesus, you can't be normal. 
I want you to ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing right now going to matter in heaven? Please, please do. Make sure every part of it, from our child rearing to our, wife, to our husband-wife relationship, to our ministry to you, to our travel to nations, to our clothes. Jesus is going to talk to me about my fashion. He can put me over his fashion style in heaven. Everybody's going to be wearing different stuff and having watch when we get there. Let me, let, me, let me fix that up for you. You know, you got a little more. Deuteronomy 6. Are you guys okay? Can I have about 15, no, 10 more minutes? Five more minutes? 10 more minutes. I'll get you out by 12. Maybe. We're in eternity, so, you know. One minute is a, a hundred minutes in heaven. Deuteronomy 6.11 says, houses, this is what God wants to give you, houses full of all good things. See, this is amazing that God was saying, I'm, when I promise stuff, this is how I promise it. He wants you to expand your vision, expand your mind. He wants to give you houses full of all good things, which you did not fill. Hewn out wells, which you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant when you have eaten and are full. This is what God wants. God wants to be, be so enlarged that he has a bigger plan for me. Bigger for my living, bigger for my dwelling, bigger for my eating, bigger till I am of in a position where I am eaten and full. But he goes on and says, don't you be satisfied and think you gave it to yourself. You and I need to know that God has bigger. And until you allow him to push on the chest and push on your heart and go, think bigger. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, Lord, I, you know, I really like my car. I do. I like my car. I like driving my car. My wife says, you want to drive my car? I'm, I like my car. I tell her all the time, I like my car. It puts my head back when I take off. I like my car. I don't have to wait for it to respond. It's like, it's perky. If I want to get froggy, it jumps right there. Bam! I like my car. I, no, I like your car too, but I don't want to drive you. I want to drive my car. And I was, I've just been happy with my car. Till recently. I've been seeing something in me. I've been seeing me sitting in a different car. See, you know, it started happening when I decided I was going to take our no limits offering to my, my vision builders offering to another level, a level that I have never given before. And I said, God, thank you, Lord, that you're bringing that. And then all of a sudden, when I started talking about that offering, it started to unlock and enlarge, enlarging for me. Cause I know if I can get that, give that offering, I can actually get that car. And it started to unlock that car for me. And I and I sat I sat down last night and I'm praying about that offering. I thought, God, I don't see the house. I don't see the house yet. I don't see the neighborhood. I don't see the house. I don't see it. And the reason I say that is because people some people say, Well, did the Lord speak it? Well, the Lord may not have spoken, but the Lord, I see it. I see it. See, because when he tells you, I'm gonna take you to a place and it's gonna be full of good things. Right, it's going to be all good things. I actually began to see it when we were when we moved to San Diego, and I we stood out front of this house. And we, my, we pulled up, and my wife and we sat right in front of. Him. I go, we go, okay. What do we want in this house? If it's, we know it's our house, if this is in it, we want it. We want a high ceilings. We want a high cathedral ceilings, and we wanted uh, what was in Spanish tile. And we started to describe everything we wanted inside before we get in. So then, when we walk in, we go. This is it or this is not it. We can scrutinize. We can be skeptical more than scrutinize. Sorry, we can be skeptical. We can go, I don't know. It's close, but not close enough. It's not quite hitting it in the box. So we walked in, we go, yeah, yeah, full of good things. This is it. Oh, but I don't know. 
This was the first one we looked at. We have seven others to look at today. So we drove around, wasted a whole day. Came right back to the one. We go, none of those others had that. What we saw, when we moved to the Northwest, we, we bought a house in Kent. We, we were like, okay, so this is what we're going to look for. We're going to look for this is what's in us, a blue house with, 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 with white trim. And, and we see a red on the door, so we're going to look for a red door. We come pulling up, and there was a red reef on the door. Blue house with white trim. And we go, this is it. Had everything we wanted inside. The colors for the children. My wife was pregnant with Sophia. Had her pink. Her room was already pink. Boris' rooms were blue. Tristan's room was, was, he had a different kind of modern color. And we, we just, we we're like, this is it. But right now I'm going, I can't find it. I don't see it yet. I don't see it. Because when I see it here in my enlarger, then I'll see it on the outside. And what I love about this Deuteronomy 6 is that the enemy is building what you see. He says, I'm going to send you to homes that are full of good things. Already built, already full. I realize when God shows me something on the inside, there's nothing to hold it back. The only thing that's holding it back is either I've got to build it if my enemy's not building it already. You guys with me? Exodus 23, verse 30, and I'll finish with this thought. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. Little by little. See, this is the problem that when we start to get this big vision, we want it all to be right now. But sometimes there's a driving out little by little. The angel of the Lord is going before you and he's preparing a way and it's little by little. Amen. And we're headed towards that thing that's big, but you have to know that there's a grace that must develop in you to match the enlargement inside of you. It doesn't mean he can't give it to you now, but the grace that you need to maintain it and have it. The only reason he said, I'll give it to you little by little is because they didn't have the grace to have it, to maintain it. It's not whether or not God can give you a house. It's whether or not you can keep it clean. It's not whether or not God can give you a new car. It's whether or not you can keep it tuned. And the little by little is to keep you in a place where you can now maintain what God wants to give you. So he teaches you how to maintain it. He said it to them. He said, listen, if I give it to you all right now, the beast of the field are going to come in and they're going to devour you and it's going to overgrow and it's going to be too much and you won't be able to handle and you'll call it a curse when I bless you. You have to understand God's not giving it to you yet because you haven't yet learned to maintain the little. When you get the little and you maintain that, it goes, okay, I got more to chop off for you. Go get that. I'm enlarging you. Then you go and get a little bit more. And he says, okay, I see that. Now I'm enlarging you even more. Then faithful with little, you'll be faithful with little by little. And he says, don't, don't make the, don't make the angel that's working with you angry. That's amazing that you can actually irritate an angel. You know how? Hey, can I have that before it's my time? He's like, no, I'm here to guard this. Prepare this for you. Take you in there when you're enlarged on the inside. But if you want it before you're large enough on the inside, then you're going to actually irritate me. See, if one, two, three, or four of us want larger in this church, we want a larger building. We want to have a place that's called our own. And there's only a handful of us. God's not going to give it to us. We as a whole congregation need to have a larger in us. If you don't see this church being multiple thousands affecting nations, then God's not going to give it to us. We're just going to irritate the angel who's ready to lead us into something. If you don't see 12 campuses... If you don't see it, I can see it. 
And as long as I see it, and if you don't see it, then I just got to wait for the majority to see it. That's, that's going to irritate the angel. It's going to irritate the angel. Little by little. Someone say little by little. Doesn't mean he's not giving it to you. But you better be grateful with the little he gives you. Or else you'll miss the opportunity when you're the opportunities to enlarge you. Ungratefulness is the most horrible, disgusting. It's the most disgusting thing to God. When he provides something and it's not recognized. Some say little by little. I wish I had a better ending for you. God's not holding anything back from us. He's saying, keep on growing. Build on the inside. See, the reason we're doing this in large series is because God says, I need everyone to agree. It's amazing when you are called to do something that is not actually regularly seen. He's asking you to build something that he has on the inside of him. And it's not, we can't go, hey, go over here. And this is exactly what it looks like. We can't do that. It's nowhere around. You know what I loved about what God what God put us through in 2008? I'm going to say God put us through. He, was, he, he allowed it. And he said, stretch. You know what I love? Is he called it, we called it faith roll. You know, everybody on staff with us lived like a full-time staff member on, on, on faith roll before they ever got paid. Everyone. There's not, even myself. My wife and I, we've not had a pay raise since 2003. And everything we do is faith roll. Faith roll. And what I, I asked the Lord recently, I said, why do you have this? Why is this the pattern where I know churches are going, this is the budget, this is what we're going to hire. He says, because I want you to have a church full of entrepreneurs in their mind. If a person can't bring an entrepreneurial spirit to our staff, then we can't go to where we're supposed to go. We don't need a bunch of hirelings, people who just want to get on staff. We need people who can believe. We have to believe. And if you become an entrepreneur in your spirit, you'll begin to open up new things. Pastor Matt called me from Chicago. He said, we're on our way. I had three calls that same week from other ministers saying, we're on our way. What I say? I said, okay, see you when you get here. He wasn't looking for it, but the other two ministers that called me, they said, we're going to come. They were looking for a job. I said, okay, I'll see you when you get here. They didn't show up because they wanted to get hired on the phone. Pastor Matt and Pastor Maggie, they walk in. I was actually shocked that they showed up. They came to service. We had 17 people. <laughs> they, they came walking in like, we're gonna, this is awesome. What do you guys see? They watched. Brew, brew. They came to leadership advance that same day. Sat there and took notes. Leadership advance. We didn't call leadership leadership, leadership advance then. But. A few months later, Pastor Maggie comes and says, uh, Pastor, the Lord told me I, I need to quit my job. I'm a manager at Starbucks. I said, well, I just, I can't hire you. She goes, I didn't say you needed to hire me. She says, I need to quit my job. And God told me to come and work for you full time. I'm like, I can't pay you. She goes, I'm not looking for to be paid. For almost two years, she didn't get paid. She'd call in on a, a Tuesday or Wednesday and go, hey, can I, can I have, can I have the day off? I need to go and do this. I'm like, um, you don't work for me. You don't get paid. You can take any day off you want to. She goes, yeah, but the Lord told me to work for you. He didn't say get paid. He just said, come work for you. Never once asked for money. Never once. Not once. Because faith roll. We need entrepreneurs. If you're in this church, it's because God's calling you to be an entrepreneur in your heart and your mind. Entrepreneurs enlarge. 
Entrepreneurs are never satisfied with getting a paycheck. Never. Never. This is okay. And it may not be happy. It's not for everybody. Not everybody has to be on, wants to be on faithful and believe that God can give them more than what they need. But for certain people, it's okay. Other people, it's not good. I didn't ask for this. I just work for him. 